welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast on Thursday, September the 14th. And today, uh, Phil Smith has actually gone off to Wentworth to watch the uh, DP World Tour PGA, PGA Championship. Uh, so, um, actually, he's gone off and paid to go and watch it. I've got to say, I had the privilege yesterday of actually playing in it in the Pro-Am, which was uh, pretty amazing. But um, I've got instead with me Richard Kaufer, who is a, a director of my corporate finance department, who specializes on the technology side, to stand in and help give some of his thoughts. But um, Richard, hi, Thank how you, are you? Andrew. Good afternoon. Goody, goody. So um, I can tell you that um, playing yesterday was probably one of the most nerve-wracking things I've ever had to do in my life. When you're not actually that good a golfer to be playing with the professionals at Wentworth, which is a pretty difficult course, and in front of a crowd of thousands, it is absolutely terrifying. Um, and I felt like saying, stand back, I may well hit you with my ball. <laughs> very good, very good. It's much like I feel about this podcast, probably, then. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say that actually it's a lot more nerve-wracking doing that than just recording a podcast. I'm sure. There we go. Anyway, look, um, there's a, a few things going on at the moment in the sort of big picture world, I suppose. Um, but we'll have a bit of a chat about technology in general. And obviously, we have uh, Phil has left us a few notes on some results he that has. he feel completely left out. Uh, and we'll run through a few of those and, and get them done. But um, I mean, to be honest with you, I was quite happy taking the day off yesterday to go and do something like that, purely because, to be honest with you, these markets are still absolutely horrific. They are woeful, Andrew, absolutely woeful. Uh, there is no liquidity whatsoever. There are still redemptions taking place. I've just been around had a cup of coffee with a fund manager at a major uh, pension fund. Um, we were just chatting in general about stocks that he owns. But, yeah, he was just going, Andrew, look, the problem is, you know, if a bid comes along, I know he's quite a big shareholder in DX Group, not technology, but... Um, he said, you know, it's actually completely undervaluing the company, the bid of 48.5p, but i got to sell it because I just need to raise capital. Sure. Uh, and that is the problem that everyone's having at the moment. You know, any bid will be accepted, even if it's really too low, because people are just trying to get cash in through the door. Sure. There was a bit of positive news, actually, Andrew. Yesterday, I saw from Radnor, where they were suggesting the small cap funds have actually seen inflows of a small amount, £10 million, but at least it's an inflow rather than an outflow. That was in August. You obviously have to strip strip out the single worst performing fund, which accounts for 20% of all small cap redemptions. But if you do that, they actually saw inflows of £10 million in August and an inflow of £18 million in June. Otherwise, the last 24 months have all been outflows. But maybe, maybe these, maybe these are the early signs of something more positive. Well, I hope you're right. Otherwise, you know, we might as well pack up. Well, indeed, and go home. indeed. Um, but look, again, if you want to talk about another slightly positive thing, for instance, uh, unfortunately not in the UK, um, but of course, Arm has now priced its IPO uh, at fifty-one dollars a share, uh, which values it at fifty-two billion dollars. Which yeah, actually, a modest 20 times EV sales, right, going forward for a business whose um, profits actually dipped. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good valuation, really. Um, I would say it's fulsome. I mean, the interesting thing there is 20 times EV sales is exactly what um, NVIDIA trades on as well. But it's expected to grow its top line by 100%. 
where his arm is looking at single digit growth at the top line. So interesting, isn't it, in terms of that valuation? You know, is arm going to be here for a long time? Absolutely. You know, does it play into future trends? Yes, it does. Is it more than fully priced? Yes. Do I think you can get it for cheaper once it starts trading? Absolutely. I mean, there you have it all. I mean, that was he's busy on the sales desk, not in corporate finance. Uh, I mean, I do remember back in 2000 uh, when I took arm, this is the original arm management, it was listed um, in London and on NASDAQ, uh, out, to, uh, took them out to Tokyo, actually, went out with Sir Robin and, and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And it was on a P of 500. And wow. I was trying to convince people it was it was still cheap, which it, clearly it wasn't. We then had the tech crash and it came whizzing off. But, um, you know, I think that's the thing about ARM. It's it's a very unique stock, shall we say. It is indeed. It, and, and that's why you have to own it. But I, I think you can time your entry into that stock. And, and I, I wouldn't be looking to, to participate now. Yeah, but it, no, it's no. a first class stock doing, you know, that, that, that that's playing into the mega trends. Yeah. Now, another uh, big picture thing, actually, I, I've seen uh, mainly this week, but I've been, for now, I've been talking about it quite a lot. We, we, when I was going around North America, we were discussing this with a lot of people. Because, um, and that is the uh, Chinese EV penetration into the rest of the world. I, I think that. Um, China, in fact, what I was saying, you can read it in some of the stuff I published, was that China would end up with, in the Chinese market, 95% of EVs will be Chinese. Right now, obviously, the majority, or not the majority, I'd say about half the cars in China are probably German. Uh, mm. And I was saying that um, I think that in Europe, half the EVs could be of Chinese backing, and in, in, in North America, 25%. Now, a lot of people said those numbers were ludicrously high. But the reason it'll become like that is pure economics. China will produce by, by far and away the cheapest EVs of anybody. And actually, they've now got the quality, because actually it's easier to make a quality EV than uh, an internal combustion engine, right up there. So what we've seen, well, it was this morning, the EU said that they were going to do an investigation because they felt that perhaps this was China subsidising uh, to dump into the EU market to gain market share. Uh, and China have now come out and said that they feel this is the EU being protectionist. I can't say that, we're protectionist. Um, And trying to block the Chinese from doing trade in Europe. And that's going to, if that's the case, well, watch it. China's going to get the hump and start playing games there. I'll tell you what, it's all very bad news for Germany. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I concur with that entirely. So it'll be interesting to see how this all ends up playing out with China, given the geopolitical backdrop as well. So... Let's see. Um, yeah, watch this space. I think it's uh, fascinating. But I, I, can, I can't see anybody really usurping China uh, as, as it stands today, given their access to commodities as well. Well, the reason I say it to a large extent is that, uh, I mean, China has got a lot of issues. And I must admit, I would not be investing in China um, for some time to see, because those issues really are becoming deep and embedded um and but when the chinese set out to do something they do set out to do it you know they did it with solar panels same thing happened basically they dumped um various bodies had commissions and and reviews and said this is anti-competitive but today pretty much every single solar panel in the world is chinese and they are there's no question in my mind they're setting out to dominate the ev market 
uh, globally, and therefore that's probably what will end up happening. Now, of course, uh, I've been talking that quite a lot in North America over the last two weeks when I was out there, because we were talking, obviously, we were talking Infinity Energy Systems, but batteries in general and where they're all going. So it was quite a large part of the conversation. You know what? Most people didn't disagree with me. Hmm. Wow. Now, we'll, we'll get on to Infinity, but I mean, what are you, what are you seeing? What, what's tickling your fancy or trend you're seeing, Richard? In the I mean, yeah, the trends I suppose I'm seeing is, I mean, technology was a disaster for 22. But my God, has it bounced back in 23? But I think what people may not appreciate is that when you've got to look under look at the underlying companies, the 10 largest US, US stocks year to date have delivered a recovery of over 50% versus the median of 10% in terms of share price appreciation. But the top 10 stocks have delivered $4.5 trillion in market cap. I mean, that's huge. That's bigger than the whole of the Nikkei 225, the whole of the FTSE 100 and CAC 40 combined. I mean, it's just, it's just staggering, right? And, and I suppose where I'm going with this is the trends that I'm excited about, the ones that we're seeing is AI, obviously, obesity drugs shortly and there's shortly on its tails obviously there's the metaverse where we've seen um meta or what was facebook bounce big time also ultimate autonomous cars and then drone deliveries as well so the nvidia's the metas the teslas they're just absolutely flying but you know when you look at the stocks that sit underneath that they're, they're, they've performed well they've outperformed any other sector year to date in 20 yeah, I'm in 23, but they haven't performed in the same way as the mega cap stocks. So that's a trend I'm seeing. But what's interesting over the news more generally this week is the companies that have been exposed to EV, electric vehicles, are the ones that have actually performed really well. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think that's telling us something. You know, you need to be exposed to these secular growth sectors. Um, we saw Dowley's group results that's a 1.1 billion market cap company. Mm. And they put out their interims to the end of June on Tuesday. And it's, you know, just a really decent set of results. And it only trades, and this is probably a function or a lack of function in the market on a P of eight and a half times. So trading ahead of their expectations for the half year, um, full year expectations they've left unchanged for now, which is just sensible and the cautious thing to do, plus is a potential strike action but all other things being equal a cheap stock that's exposed to the end you know automotive and powder metallurgy so it's an exciting space um and it's doing rather well another company that we know andrew i mean in fact we had the chairman in in terms of semiconductors was Ensilica. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that was a meeting, I don't know if you remember, with Mark Hodgkins. I, yeah, thought, yeah. I thought he was excellent. You know, I thought he had a strong grip on the business, presented it really well. Well, they've just had a contract win that they've announced this week for 52 million. Um, it's market cap 52 million pounds. The contract size was, I think it was about seven or eight. But again, that was exciting news for them. I'm sort of moving into semiconductors, I guess. It's interesting to see what's more happening more broadly in the UK. We've had the chief executive of Paragraph and the founder, um, Simon Thomas, he's warned that there's too much red tape and there's sort of lots of planning delays are holding back the UK's chip industry. And I think we saw that evidence with IQE 
IQE's results this week, where the shares are now down 65%. Um, just so everybody knows, I'm a shareholder in this stock, so and it has not performed well for me, regrettably. It's also a company I'd advised for years and years and years, many, many years. Um, it's, it's been the same. It's a recurring theme with IQE. It just doesn't seem to ever, you know, get a handle on its supply chain. You know, with half its revenues, you know, subject to um, mobile phones, um, open to mobile phones. That, I mean, so it's been a really tough time. Revenues have been substantially down. Their wireless revenues went from 46 million to 22 million, down by more than half. They swung into a loss, having made a profit the time before. The photonics revenues down to 28 million from 38 million. So it's pretty tough there. It's always been a cyclical stock, though. There's always been quite volatile, you know, at the top of my head. It's somewhere, you know, trades between 12p and as much as £1.60, or around 17, 18p at the moment. Um, it's we've all got a stock, by the way, that's done, been a dog in our portfolios nowadays. The market is so awful. Isn't it? So there are glimmers of hope, though, for IQE, as I understand it. They're starting to see glimmers of hope. They've secured some new design wins. They're cutting costs appropriately. They're seeing a bit of a rebound in data center demands as well. So, And I think one would hope that the supply chain will improve next year and the year above. But it's always been a tricky one for them. You know what? It was it was the darling of the stock market and then it fell out and everybody hated it and thought it was the, well, what the, the opposite of what a darling is. I'm not quite sure what that is. A dog. Um, a do well, dog, yeah, but it was really hated for a while. It was, it was. And I think people even now question, you know, why is a substrate manufacturer, what, what's it doing in Wales? When all the big ones are in Korea, Japan, China, why have we got... We had in the Evening Standard, I don't know if you saw it, a couple of days ago, the minister saying, look, I'm not going to try and make Cardiff into Taiwan. Just forget about that. That's a non-starter. So that was met with a bit of disappointment. But I suspect he's probably right. It'd be quite interesting to see the Chinese try and invade Cardiff. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I think they'll leave that alone for the time being. I don't think they're too concerned for now. Um, Look, you're, you're, you're obviously um, well prepped on uh, on some of the results we've had this week. So uh, whilst you're on them, are there any others you want to comment upon? Because there were I would sort of, oh, yeah, I'd mentioned Discover IE. Um, again, they're a bit like Encilica and IQE in that sort of, you know, they're making design and make components for industrial applications. Um, I, I, it's a company I've known because I've raised money privately for Antonova, which is one of the businesses that sits within the group. They, they announced uh, an acquisition that was immediately earnings increases. So I think that was a, that was a positive. Um, some other news, um, fintech, if you want to call it that, we saw both Equals and Cornerstone, both sort of fintech businesses offering currency exchange for businesses and individuals have both had an excellent set of results. Um, so that's, and they're, and they're both sort of, both saying they're significantly ahead of expectations. So that's been very positive and they, they both companies seem positive about the outlook and seem to be trading relatively cheaply compared, you know, compared to the prospects of the business. Can't say the same regrettably for video games. We've seen Keyword Studios this week um, putting out disappointing numbers. Um, 
similarly keyword studios was broadly in line it's the cheapest it's ever been keyword studios this is a business that sort of supports video game developers so it's like outsource video game developers and yeah. uh, it's the lowest valuation it's ever traded on actually um really? so well it all comes down to the bloody market but going back to fintech i mean fintech is mm. a bit of a speciality for you richard but what, what do you what are you sort of looking at in fintech what's what's getting you it's quite a wide-ranging sort of space. What gets your boat going there? Well, I've always been a big excited by what I would say is what's called direct carrier billing. So the, the, the couple of listed companies on AIM, that's still small, but the scope to grow is Bango and Boku. And what they're doing is they're providing the platform that allows you to pay for anything using your mobile device. And that then appears on the end of your mo that bill that appears on your mobile phone rather than a debit card or a credit card. I think the more seamless we can make transactions, the better it would be. Both companies have seen very good growth in this market. And I think that within the payment space has been, I think that's exciting and both companies have continue to deliver in that space. Uh, I'll tell you a point there, but I mean, I think it's quite interesting. I mean, uh, actually, I did see that cash for the first time in about 24 months, I think is as a transaction tool has, has gone up. Some people still want cash, like you know, like your builder and the window cleaner and these sorts of people. Um, <laughs> and we all know why, um, but we won't go there. Um, but actually, I mean, what I, I get, because I, I do look at some of these fintechs and they, they talk in this amazing story about being able to do this. And, but, you know, actually, I just pay for everything on my mobile anyway, using Apple Pay or whatever. You know, I've got my credit cards in there. Uh, so, you know... What yes, but you're not, but the, these solutions are more for the unbanked. So it's not for you, Andrew, as much as if you think about Africa, you think about business people in the Far East, you think about remittances and the cost of doing all of that. If one can do that easily, cheaply, freely via the mobile phone, then, then, then that's just pushing people more to mobile payments. Yeah, but even so, you know, as you know, I travel around quite a lot. But I just take my mobile. I just do all of that. I mean, I don't. Uh, maybe I'm missing out on something. Maybe it's just you say it's not me. I'm the wrong person. Yeah, it, there's a huge unbanked out there, uh, and that's really addressing that 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 problem. And and we are seeing the demographics of Africa. You know, young people's the population there is growing massively. The wealth is growing there massively amongst these young people. So the opportunities are huge because the addressable yeah. market's large. Uh, Fair enough. It, well, look, we also had news out. I know we talk about it almost every week. We had news out this morning from Invinity Energy Systems. Uh, they are, of course, presenting this week at the uh, RE Plus, uh, which is a renewable energy massive show in, in Las Vegas. Um, and they've announced this morning, it, it's, a, it's, it's a slightly complicated announcement as much as a bit of a rejig of an order uh, from Evadura or Everbright, they're sort of the same company. Um, but they basically changed the order so that they're now taking a Mistral product. Uh, this is their uh, Taiwanese strategic partner. Um, so they've basically re-announced it. It'll be a 14.4 megawatt vanadium flow battery and it'll be a Mistral. Um, so it's actually quite an important announcement. I mean, it does, in terms of revenue, it actually delays revenue slightly because the product will come across um, slightly later than the VS3 that they had um, done before. But the gross margin will be, will be better. Um, and also they they basically entered into an MOU as well as a strategic manufacturing partner for Infinity. And this, it, it, I think a lot of people have maybe 
not take, I mean, it's a little bit wishy-washy, the statement, but, you know, Taiwan wants long-duration energy storage. It, it can't have lithium. It, a lot of the Taiwanese energy storage has to be in places like underground and small places just because of the nature of the island and the situation it's in. You can't put lithium there. It catches fire. Hmm. Um, so actually, this is a really big potential deal where basically they will manufacture the product on behalf of Infinity, not the stack. They always have to keep control of the stack, but it's almost a license and royalty deal with these guys. They haven't said it like that, but if you read through yeah. it's sort of where they're heading, are you a bit like the ARM model? Um, sure. And they're talking about the, the first lot being 225 megawatt hours of, of batteries they might sell on to other people as the, as the distribution partner. I mean, this is real genuine proof that Mistral is happening. Obviously, it'll get the Siemens badge next year and that people are going to buy not 10 megawatts or 15 megawatts here or there, but it's going to be hundreds and hundreds of megawatts, if not gigawatts. Unfortunately, there's still so many redemptions and people don't want to buy any stock in the UK market. The price has hardly moved up at all. But take my word, things really are happening here. And this actually was quite a significant announcement. Just uh, the market hasn't quite appreciated it, in my view. But I no, I agree with you entirely. They've had good news. You know, they're well, you know, well financed now as well. So the fundraising we helped them out with, and they're, they're you know, they're, they're putting out MOUs and contracts, and so one would hope that the market does catch up in due course, given the prospects. But no sign of that as yet. But it's uh, it's clearly promising. I suppose more to the point is that at the moment, rather than seeing price share price appreciation companies putting out even marginal bad news are being are being uh, hit very very hard with it and that's that's the trend we continue to see rather than good news being supported it's sort of negative news and you sell sadly that is true right is there anything else richard you wanted to quickly mention or we'll keep it fairly short no let's keep i mean i'd say the one other thing we've seen in terms of if you can call it tech it's more like around defense tech we saw ms international put out contract win and cohort put out contract win this is around anti-drone weaponry obviously with the ukraine war and we saw ms international being awarded a big u.s navy contract so i think those sorts of defense tech trends are are, are ones to continue to to look at and, and, and watch closely I'm um, the only other one reference was obviously we saw Oxford Nanopore putting out a bit of a disappointing set of uh, interim results. I know that's one that you you follow through your interest in IP groups. So I don't know if you yeah. saw that on the 5th of September, if you were, you were away, I think, in the States. But, uh, uh, I was in the States, probably just as well. I missed it. Yeah. Oh, OK. Then well, we won't labour that one then. No, let's not. <laughs> let's call it a day there then, I think. Very All right. Good. As usual, if anybody's got any comments on this or disagree with us or want to ask us questions or want us to actually talk about anything specifically, please do let us know uh, and it will be back to normal service with me and Phil next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. This podcast has been produced and edited by VSA Capital. It is intended for information purposes and not as investment advice. The information is intended for recipients who understand the risks associated with equity investments in smaller companies. Please do your own research and do not rely on a single source when making an investment decision. VSA Capital may derive fees from this content and seeks to do business with the companies mentioned.